All right, so let's get into it. All right. Who's bringing us in? You guys are so lame. Bring it in if you want. I don't... Yeah, I don't care. I could bring it in. I just don't like to ever. So yeah, you said you were going to bring us in? Who, me? Oh, you want me to do it? See? I could do it. It's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. After you. Oh, no, no. Yeah. I All right, are we ready? Yes, we're ready. Now I need a drink. Now I have a drink. Up oh, you are so freaking such a diva. <clears throat> All right, here we go. He's a real diva man living in his diva land, making all his diva plans for nobody. Hello and welcome to Back to Hello, the Bins. I'm gonna. I, hey, I started it. You were too much of a diva. So sit down and shut up. But it was my <laughs> opener. Okay, Scott, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. After you. Oh, no, no, I insist. <laughs> We're never going to get this started, you know. Let's get, Let's it, get started. it started. <laughs> oh, God. Start it up. See what kind of <laughs> and now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks. Internet radio broadcast. Stop it! Genesis! Oh, what's in the box? Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spataro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. My name is Scott Gardner, and joining me, as always, are my very, very good friends. Good friends. Paul Spataro, the producer. Hello. <laughs> my That's name it. is. Hello. That's it. That's my it. Name Hello. Is... What do you, what, what do you My need? My name is Wicked, 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 Scott Gardner. And Dr. Dr. Bill Robinson. Doctor, word, yes. Word on the street is he's not really a doctor. Yes, please don't come to me for advice of current world health issues. <laughs> I have none to give but what Scott gave on a Facebook post. <laughs> Take two of those and call me in the morning. So how's it going, gentlemen? Oh, it's going. I'm excited to get into this one. I think we have uh, I think we have some interesting content to cover here. But uh, before we get into that, see, I, I you, you see, you have content and I have malcontent. <laughs> I'm was, just incontinent. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm curious uh, if either of you have anything uh, newsworthy to bring as far as uh, the world of comic books. Any nope. any new acquisitions? Anything? Yeah, fun well, I had I had a. a friend of mine who sent me four books that I was not expecting. <laughs> oh, that was you. What'd you get? What'd you get? What did you send me? You sent me Karate Kid numbers 3 and 12, I believe. And Iron Fist. I'm trying to remember Iron the Fist. numbers now. I believe it was number 4. I know 12 four. was one of them because it was 
Captain America issue. Yes, and he was throwing his mighty shield. And what was the other one? I think it was three. Three, yeah. Which, as much oh. as I want, I want to get the you know those are two series that are on my want list, but I had a, I have a lot of holes in them. So every every issue gets I'm me narrowing, further. I'm narrowing in on those. The Karate Kid, I, I couldn't quote it to you, but I think I'm only missing like three issues now. I think Iron Fist. I'm honestly not sure because it's not actively on my watch. It's not something I'm actively hunting, but whenever I run across issues that I don't have, I pick them up. And I think at this point, I think I may only lack issue one and whatever the hell issue it is that uh, Sabretooth debuted in because that one's ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Uh, but I'm hoping that you know I'll just chance across it like a you know some antique store one you know someday or something like that but I, I, at this point i think those may be the only two issues that i lack of that series now the I, only, I'm the only issue i had was hmm? number 15 which i think is the i think is the last issue and, it's uh, uh first burn x-men if i'm not mistaken yeah i had that and now you've added two to it so i went from having one fifteenth of the entire thing to one fifth <clears throat> Of of the issues I've read, because I've not read all the issues of the series or even all the issues that I have of the series, but of the issues I have read, 12 was my favorite where he fights Cap because Burns Cap is just awesome. You know, he's, he, and, and that's still what I call Hungry Burn. It's like Burn, you know, when he when he had just come to Marvel off of uh, like, you know, his, his Charlton uh, stint, you know, his stint with, stint with Charlton Comics. And so it still kind of has that early Burn, you know, like that proto-Burn look to it. I really like that stuff. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I burn, early Burn, Hungry Burn, as you talk about him, he was a little bit more unrefined Right. Uh, then he would become as he kind of went on in the X Men. But I think of him on right. Iron Fist or him on Marvel Team Up or him on uh, Champions. Yeah. But but I really took a liking to him back then. So then you know as he got even better, it was like just you know since I was already a fan, that just became you know so cool to watch him even get better at it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I really like that early stuff, that early burn, because I think his Adams, his Neil Adams uh, influence is that much more prevalent in his really early stuff. Not that he didn't have his own distinct style. He did. But just his um, I don't want to say aping Adams because I don't really think he ever aped Adams. But you can tell that he's definitely uh, enamored of Adams and, and, you know, kind of. uh in that same school, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, before he really developed into, you know, John Byrne as we know John Byrne. And, and I really like that because, it, you know, it's, it's a nice melding of the, of the two styles. I really like some of that early stuff, you know, like Space 1999 and, uh, you know, some of the other, uh, like, um, what was the other one? Doomsday Plus One, you know, those, those early Charlton things that he did. And then, of course, you know, the early Marvel stuff, too. It's, it's, it's good stuff. And I'm curious... Um, why you're collecting uh, Karate Kid? Because I, I know my reasons why I, I was collecting it, but I'm curious why you were collecting it. Can't, can't give you like a, a really compelling re- reason, uh, more than the fact that I just kind of always liked the character, and 
I had found issue number one like really, really cheap. I think in like a quarter bin one time, and that just got me, you know, got me wanting to get more of them. Okay. So I, I can't give you a very, you know, very good collector reason for it, other than yeah, I kind of like it. I never really cared for the character all that much, but. I was mostly getting it because it's an ancillary title to, you know, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, but also um, some, not the entire run, but some issues of that run uh, have work by um, Joe Staten in them. In a, I think he's in an inking capacity, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, in, in some of those issues. But I was just going to concentrate on the Staten ones, and then I realized that I was already so close to a complete series. I was like, well, what the hell? I might as well go ahead and get them all. So. No, I, I actually liked him in Legion, which is, I guess, why they gave him his own series to begin with. And right. I, I, I guess I wasn't the only one. Uh, so that's, you know, more or less my background on Karate Kid. But I don't you know, know I'm, the... also, I'm also enamored with a lot of those short-run 1970s series. Things right. like things like you know uh, Red Wolf or Doc Savage or Claws of the Cat or you know stuff like series like that that you know <laughs> okay it's it's five ten fifteen issues and done right and if I can you know if I can pick up from the relatively inexpensive bins and and get you know virtually a complete run of it you know that that makes me happy <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, there's something to be said for those short little finite runs like that. And sometimes there's some real gems with that sort of thing, too. I've been picking up a lot of that sort of thing lately. Well, even even after our uh, our very negative review of, uh, what's, what's his name, uh, Combat Kelly, uh, I have... <laughs> I, have <laughs> I noticed that there's some of that on your want list. I have yeah. six of the nine issues of the series. So it's like, well, I might as well get the, the other three. <laughs> Well, it's like we were talking, you know, before we got started. I, I just posted uh, to the Facebook group uh, a stack of comics that I've acquired lately. Now, these are, weren't all one purchase; they were, uh, you know, some from one comic shop, some from another. But uh, the one that you and I were kind of joking around about was I picked up just about every issue I need to complete the series. I think I still lack one or two issues, but like Marvel's The Human Fly. I'm not even sure why the hell I picked these up other than it's a finite run. You know, I know exactly how many issues it, it was. It was a good deal on them. And I always kind of had a soft spot for the character as goofy as he was. I love his costume. And while the interior are often sucked in these issues, because a lot of it was Frank Robbins, the covers are friggin' awesome. I mean, the covers are really cool. So I kind of felt like you know they were worth the price of admission just for the covers alone, honestly, because his costume is just neat. He reminds me a lot of I, I would love to see the human fly, and um, who was the the aquatic Marvel character? Stingray. Uh, Stingray. Yeah, I'd like to see the two of them team up because their costumes are awesome. They would so complement each other. So I don't know, it's just something about him I, I like about him just because he has a really cool costume. But yeah, I've, I have been a comics-buying freaking fool lately, man. By the way, I picked up uh, Quasar number one just because uh, I, I thought that that would make uh, our buddy Gene Hendricks happy that uh, I, I decided to dive into Quasar just to check that out. 
I was looking at it. It was in the the cheap bin. I forget exactly what I paid for this, fifty cents or a buck or something like that. But I was looking at this, and I opened up well, the front cover. I'll be honest, I didn't think it was all that great. But I opened it up to the the front page, you know, the splash page, and it's gorgeous. It's uh, Paul Ryan with inks by Danny Bolinati. And I didn't realize that this was Mark Grunewald who wrote this. I don't know if he wrote the whole series or just, you know, the beginning of this. But uh, I just was reading up on Mark Grunewald recently, who I've known for a long time that, you know, he wasn't with us anymore. Um, But I didn't realize that we lost Paul Ryan within the past few years either. I had no idea that he was gone now. So just the fact that that those two guys that I both, you know, I liked both those guys a lot. And I've always really liked Paul Ryan's art. I thought, what the hell, I'll pick it up. And I'm getting a decent little collection of, uh, of Quasar now. So I'm, might have to cover that at some point. But yeah, been, been getting some interesting stuff. A lot of Silver Age Superman lately. What about you, Bill? Sorry, I was muted for a second. I'm, I've been working on something behind the scenes. It's been working on the railroad. Working on the railroad. Da, 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 da. Hold on, I just need to. Uh, I'll send it to you later. No, I got no. Uh, I got no new comic news. I haven't been. I've been a little busy. Um, I like to get back into some things, but uh, taking next week off of work. Going to be one of my annual cleanup comics stuff. See what I can find, what I can go through. Make sure I have what I have, what I what I don't, so I don't buy things duplicate anymore. Sometimes happens. There I've are been two curious. things you need to do, my friend. What? You need to send me a want list. And then you need to get your lazy ass over here so we can go to do some comic shop hopping together. Get your ass to Mars. <laughs> or I need to come out your way and we can go comic shop hopping. Either way, either oh, way. Oh, there's nothing. There's nothing out here. Oh, you got that. You got that great. What's the name of that shop? Well, yeah, yeah. Have we exhausted it though? Is yeah, I know because he's probably by now he's probably you know he rotates his stuff pretty pretty regu- uh, regularly. So it's probably you know. Probably, uh, he might have some what's new the, stuff. What's the name of that place? I can never remember uh, the name. Uh, <laughs> Urban Legend. Urban Legend Comics. Urban Legend. That's it. I had yes. to think. I was like, because I was thinking like mythology. Uh, just like, I can't think. I can't think. Oh, well, I'm ready to dive into this if you guys are. So for my book, I took Astonishing Tales number five, which featured both Kazar and Doctor Doom, but I was only going to do the Doctor Doom story. Wow! I just talked to my son in hand signals. He walked by the door, doing something with the dog, and I, I snapped, I pointed, and I did a waving motion with my hand. To, so, uh, I'm podcasting. You're, you're your son, the, the salutatorian. The salut, the salut, salut, the salutorian, whatever the, he's salut. number two. He's number two. See, you know we weren't because we can't even pronounce the word. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's the poop of the school because he's number two. <laughs> Where number two? Where number two? Okay. <laughs> so Was that the proctology book? school chant? Oh, sorry. So for my book this week, I picked Astonishing Tales number five. From, from April of 1971, 
And at that time, Astonishing Tales was a split book between Kazar and Doctor Doom, certainly a natural combination. Uh, and it's alphabetical. D does come before K. And yet on the cover, it's Kazar and Doctor Doom. Crap. My theory is blown. Crap, but not with a K. <laughs> that's when it. That's when you're really emphatic about it. Crap. Anyway. What's well, not Kazar? It's Kazar. What? Well, look, it's got a saber tooth head. It's got that Zabu. Actually, it's Kazabuzar because it's got Zabu's head in between the A and the Z. Kazar or Kazoo Ka, Kazabuzar. Have you been drinking? No, I've been drinking soda. Which, by the way, I'm going to try to quit again this weekend. <laughs> <I'll> be, <laughs> Isn't that every weekend? Well, no, no, because I have the following week off after it. So I, that way I can sleep the entire weekend. Right, well, that's good to know. So, I'm gonna try. so this, this I'm try. particular issue on the cover, it has the Red Skull smiting Doctor Doom with a big, I don't juicer? know, a miter. It's like a juicer. <laughs> Could be a juicer. And uh, that's on the top two-thirds of the cover, and the bottom third has Kazar with some sort of ogre-looking beasts trying to punch him. I thought Calabac came over from DC Comics. He does look like Calabac. I wasn't sure what was going on there. So the Doctor Doom story is titled A Land Enslaved. It is written by Larry Lieber, the brother of Stan Lee. It is drawn by one of my not favorite artists, George Tuska. The uh, <laughs> inking is by Mike Esposito, and lettering by Mike Stevens. So it opens up in the French Riviera with Doctor Doom taking to the skies, flying in an Iron Man kind of fashion, returning to uh, Latveria after having sought some small amusement at the far-famed resort, but was only bored. And we cut from there to Latveria, which has fallen to the might of the Red Skull, along with his uh, minions, the Exiles. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Exiles. They appeared in early issues of Captain America's solo series after it went from Tales of Suspense to Captain America. Uh, and they were kind of minions of the Red Skull then, too. But then they were actually trying to chase him down and kill him at some point. It was, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what went on. I, it's been a couple of years since I've read it all. Anyway, they in, in Doom's absence, they've taken over Latveria. And they see from their, I guess, their satellites that he's returning. So they set some traps for him. And... uh as he returns, there's a couple of guards who are drawn with typical George Tuska buck teeth who are going <laughs> to attack him, and he quickly takes them out without much problem. But then, interestingly, the Red Skull hits him with one of his own weapon that hits him with sleep gas, and I'm really kind of surprised that that works because you would think that Doom's armor would have some sort of rebreather built into it. 
Especially since yep. we've seen scenes of him in space where he was able to survive the vacuum, so you would think he has some mechanism to close up his, uh, you know, the holes and, and provide himself oxygen. But anyway, he passes well, out. Well, that makes him look like a real chump in that part, I thought. Well, he did yeah. just come from the Riviera, so maybe it was his casual armor. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, so, so they they take him, you know, he comes, they knock him out with that, and they encase him in an adamantine, not adamantium, mummy case, which they just happen to have on hand in his size, and they put him on public display. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Skull is, is very full of himself, having humbled one of the mightiest monarchs on Earth, and Doom awakens and is uh, dealing with unbearable heat from the sun. And while this is going on, the uh, min- the, the I guess soldiers of the Red Skull, which I don't know if they are people he brought in with them, or if they're just Doom soldiers that are now loyal to the Skull, but they uh, they're beaten on uh, the old and the sick and putting them in concentration camps because nothing works as well as a uh, as a Nazi regime. And while that's been going on, Doom has been. Uh, using the sun's power to energize his armor, and that lets him break free. So, as he does, the Red Skull decides, well, it worked once to, sh- to use his own weapons against him, let's do it again. But Doom cuts the power supply to the weapons, so that kind of gives him access to get there. They, uh, they, they shoot some sort of fire flame gun at him, which doesn't do anything to Doom, but kills the soldiers that are all near him. And Doom ends up destroying the gun. Then one by one, he takes out each of the exiles, who are kind of lame. And at this point, giving up as quickly as can be, the skull says, I've lost a kingdom, but I can still escape with my life. The underground corridor will lead me to safety. But Doom traps him. And then for reasons I don't quite understand, he uses some sort of gas to hypnotize the skull and the exiles to make them feel that they are reduced in size to, like, I guess, the size of mice. And he puts them in some sort of a rocket ship and sends them on their way. Uh, And by the time they reach their island, they'll have recovered from the hypnotic spell and realized that their shrinkage was merely an illusion effect of hypnogas, but an illusion that could only have been conceived the by pool. the one supreme intellect, the most powerful brain on Earth, the brain of Dr. Doom. Why would he let them go and not just kill them? I don't quite get it. It's the it's the whole Dr. Evil thing. I have a gun. I don't get Wasn't it. the shrinkage due to the fact that he'd just been in the pool? <laughs> he does that, you know, it's, it, it does that to all people. <laughs> The it gas for the pool. Both. Mm. Oh, gas. But you, you know what? This has got me wondering. Because I do remember there's an, ep- an issue of supervillain team-up with Doom and uh, the Red Skull facing off against each other. Is that the one you and Luke did? Yeah, were they in space? Yes. Kinda, yeah, fighting on Does, the moon, I think. Do you recall if that references this? Oh, I don't, don't remember directly if it does. Because I'm not sure of any other meeting between them. Or at least certainly not in between this one and that one. I don't think there's any. 
Mm. So overall, kind of a harmless story, and it's just just interesting to show you know because you have Doom who's you know with all apologies to Professor Allen uh, presented as Marvel's greatest villain, and you give him his own feature, so now you have to f- have him face off against others, and they have him facing off against a- another villain, and it's a villain who you can easily root for Doom against because he's a Nazi. Right. So I, I just found that to be an interesting way to go. It's like, well, who's who's more reprehensible that the, you know, the, the readers are going to actually side with Doom against? We'll go with the Red Skull. So you know that it's 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 almost like the the quick way out, I think. Uh, and then some of the schemes, you know, it's very simple. But you know, when you only have what is it, ten pages to tell the story in, you know, you have you have to be economical in the storytelling. And I do think that Lieber manages to fit a lot in here. That said, while I don't think the art is exceptional, it's among the it, it's better George Tusker than I'm used to. <laughs> that's damning it with faint praise. <laughs> I know it is. I know it is, but that's that's as that's as good as I can go. So what do you two think? Um I I enjoyed it almost almost despite its you know, despite itself or despite myself. I, I really did just because it, it's a fun throwback to you know simple marvel comics you know from from an earlier era um it is pretty goofy if if you're honest with it um i actually kind of in a certain sort of way i kind of dug the art although it is very simplistic um and i'll I'll agree with you it's kind of it's you know for tusca it's about as good as you're gonna get for tusca I actually like a lot of the art except for the Red Skull himself. Almost every single panel of the Red Skull's face just he just looks goofy. He's got these really goofy looking teeth and uh, not all of them. Goofy looking teeth is George Tusk's trademark. <laughs> <laughs> During this time, wasn't the Red Skull's Head, you know, his skull, his actual skull. This, this is a mask, right? This yes. is before he became like his actual physical skull became a red skull. This is a mask, right? It was a mask. And in, in the early, the issues of Captain America's solo series that I was talking about, there's actually a point when he has he uses the cosmic cube to switch bodies with Captain America. Right. So Captain America takes off the mask and act. I think, you know, the exiles are in that. And if I, my memory is right, they're actually against the skull at that point. And they're trying, you know, they're, they're hunting him down. And the fact that he doesn't have the mask on allows Captain America kind of to slip by them because they don't know what he looks like. If, if my memory is accurate. So the minions he's got here, they're, they're these exiles you're talking about? Yes. Okay, because that was a bit of a mystery for me in this story. I'm like, who the hell are these people, and why are they following the skull? It's because... part of the same storyline that introduced the Falcon to, in Captain America. Okay, so it's yeah, like I've, in, I've in, not the, read... in the one teens. Okay, yeah, I've not read that in its entirety yet, so I, I have I have holes in that. In I that have, but it's been so. many many years. 
But yeah, I, I, you know, for what it was, I really liked this. I couldn't remember. See, I had thought, did, didn't they team up at one point, though, or, or were they always adversaries? Because I, I thought they they actually do team up at well, some point. I think point, in that supervillain team-up they did, but then they went against each other. They were fickle. Yeah. The ending is really goofy, though, with, okay, so he... He didn't really reduce them. It was a hypnotic... I'm like, what? He used a full-size yeah. rocket to shoot them away somewhere? That's a waste that's of some a good powerful, rocket. That's some powerful shit if it really tripped them out so bad that, that, that you know this is what he envisioned was a giant Doctor Doom that, that picked both them and the rocket up and put them in it and sent them. I mean, that... They're, when I see when I see story concepts like that, I always wonder if the writers or the creators are in any way influenced by any type of uh, mind altering <laughs> things of their own. Oh, come on! Uh, you know, I wonder I, if it's a more of a more of a symptom of the Marvel method to where mm. you know it was maybe drawn first from a from a rough. Uh, story outline and then the writer had to make sense of it and this is how who's the writer Lieber how well, why Lieber couldn't, but why him. couldn't Doom have a shrinking gas I mean why wouldn't you just say ah I shrunk them but I guess you'd have to explain how they grow bigger later I don't know yeah I mean that's that's the problem I think it just leaves a dangling plot line then if you if, if, if that's the story that you're going to go with. I, I do have a question here. I doubt page, I have an answer, but go ahead and ask it. Page three. So, Doom lands. Somebody takes a pot shot at him, and he realizes that it's been an ambush. So, he then in the very next panel, you see this guy come rushing in. He says, look, Doom is backing off. He's beaten. Seize him. And then in the very next panel, Doom does something, and it almost looks like he's pulling out like a like a rope or a wire or something out of his belt. And then after that, you've got the guys that are like being flung around, going, "He created a vortex of air. What the hell did he do? He created a vortex it's like of he air. Just, but it's like he just like, like swung this <laughs> this wire through. The, it looks like he's holding a live wire. Is what it looks like. I will retroactively explain this. Okay. So, we know the Doom later became uh, powerful in magic. This would be the fir- one of the first examples of him actually using magic, but it was never fully documented or explained how he created this vortex of air. I say it's Doom using magic. Okay. I can buy that. So, I, don't, I don't see any other explanation why whipping a wire but, around. But frankly, I don't think that's what they're... Oh, no, that's I, not what it is at all. I think that, just, that makes more sense than what they said. I'm just I don't think that's what they're saying. You know, I'm pulling the old Marvel retcon. No prize here. I can buy that, though. Wasn't His his mother was some sort of a well, she witch was a gypsy or mystic she or something. Went, yeah, she went to hell, and he long battled against Mephisto for his mother's soul. Right, I still have not read that. I need to read that. Uh, that was that that that's a, that hardcover with Doctor Strange. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that thing's pricey. I've been trying to find that on the cheap for years, but it's it's very expensive. Just recently in Savage Avengers, they had Doom and Strange going and Conan going up against uh, Kulan Goth. 
or whatever. Yeah. The, yeah. It's been interesting. That's um, Red Sonja's bad guy. I think it was Conan's bad guy, too. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I think you're right. It's my bad yeah. guy, too. That's a <laughs> Yeah, the Savage Avengers hasn't been bad. They've been. Uh, it's been interesting. It's a. It's a different team. Um, and at one point, Venom had possessed Conan, so it was kind of uh, different. Or possessed his sword more so than him. But he did save his life. But he was like, uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> different. Kind of tired of the Venom, I gotta be honest. Well, this isn't that Venom. It's a symbiote, but not that symbiote. Just the idea of Conan being in the Avengers bothers me. Nah, he was macking on the uh, Scarlet Witch. Who was that? <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. They all do. But just, you know, there was a time... When being an Avenger was, you know, there, it was it was an elite group. It now, meant now something. It's, now it's like every character in the Marvel Universe has been an Avenger at one time or another. That's because the Avengers got big and the X-Men were belittled because they were owned by Fox for a time. And they wanted to shove them, they wanted to do uh, shove Baby in the corner. Nobody puts <laughs> Baby in the corner. So, there you go, a new movie reference for somebody to figure out. Shove baby in a corner, please. Anybody who listens to the show can't figure out what that is. I feel sorry for them. Breakfast Club. <laughs> anyway. Uh, any more comments on this before we move on? Uh, <laughs> I don't think all the Red Skull pictures are bad. I like the one at the bottom of page four. It's all right. It's got some big teeth, big crooked White. What's the name I'm for? Uh, you, big crooked, goofy teeth. Is, what is? What is, is this? Oh, chicklets, chicklets. That's what I was like. I was, trying, I was thinking of like <laughs> another name. Chicklets. He's got a mouthful of chicklets there. He's got. Uh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Page five, the top. That's a. That's a bad one. Page six. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's bad too. <laughs> He's so happy. Peace, go. I always thought the Red Skull was communist at first when I was a kid. Like, he was what? at one time. In the 50s, he was. Maybe that's where I got that from. And then they had, you know, when they had the revival of the 50s Captain America, who was anti-commie. But, but then there was that movie where he was Italian. Ah, I'm totally lost now. <laughs> we don't talk about that. He just had bad skin. <laughs> it's me, uh, the Red Skull. Uh, I'm going to kill you, Captain America. Please send all hate mail to Dr. Bill for his stereotypes. I've got a million of them, folks. So, Dr. <laughs> Bill, are you going to cover the Kazar part of this? Uh, Why, yes, I will. Why don't you do that before we rate it? Because this way we can rate the entire thing. Being is one that always likes to glom on to something somebody else came up with the idea for, because <laughs> I couldn't bother to find my own book. I decided I would go with the second story, but I only did so after reading the second story because I was curious. Now, this story is uh, editor Stan Lee, Jerry Con... What, 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 what? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh. Editor Stan Lee, Jerry Conway, 
writer. Barry Smith is the artist. Frank Giacoy. Just Barry Smith. Frank Giacoy is the editor. He hadn't married Princess Diana yet. <laughs> but I'm And Mike Stevens is a letter. And this story is uh, has Kazar, Lord of the Jungle. Kazar. There's a there's an apostrophe in there. Huzar. Huzar. Kazar. <laughs> Enunciate. Enunciate. Okay, so quick backstory. I picked this story because it had two characters in it that I did not know appeared like this far back or was this part of the um, Marvel Universe or even the Kazar Rogues Gallery or Mythos. And that. Uh, and uh, Garak, the Petrified Man. Because my first experience with these two characters was in the X Men books. Yep. So I had no idea that they were here. I was like, hey, I recognize these characters. So that's why I was like, you know what? I think I'll cover this story just so I can bring that up. So yeah, it's a nice little quick 10-page story that basically has Kazar fighting Zaladane on a big, giant, blue, hairy pterodactyl over the sky. Huh. Here, I thought you were covering it because you're a lazy shit. But... Screw you. <laughs> So they're fighting up in the in, in the sky and uh, basically end up crashing through a tree because Zaladane loses control. And um, she gives Kazar a little history about the the petrified man. We see him, you know, he basically wants people to stop fighting in his name, which is why he'd actually come to the Savage Land with Kazar. Uh, you find out that he's actually been alive for a couple hundred years because he's been cursed uh, with the drank from whatever this fountain in whatever the stuff in the savage land <laughs> and he decides well you know if the only way i can make people stop fighting my name is i'll just kill everybody <laughs> always works good so kazar and zaladane end up going to the temple oh that's that's right to the temple where garak had got uh gotten his powers where it's it's guarded by a big giant blue meanie and not the ones from the yellow submarine movie the big giant muscular blue meanie that takes on Kazar and uh, eventually falls to Kazar and they end up uh, he bathes Garak back in the in the waters that birthed him and basically it looks like it melts all the rocks off of him and his body turns to dust because he was like 500 years old and then Zaladane with her man that, that's a really goofy headdress uh, she supposedly is crushed by a falling stone sun god uh, Monument, and that's the end of the story. As uh, Zabu reunites, reunited with uh, Kazar, and uh, that's the end of the story. It's pretty quick, down and dirty. Uh, so how did uh, how did uh, Garak get better? Well, he didn't get better. If I remember right, when he appeared in the oh, X-Men, you mean how did he, he come had back? a different host body. Yeah, yeah. He gets like uh, okay. yeah. And Zaladine, she wouldn't show up for much, much longer. And at one point, she had pretended or said she was Lorna Dane's sister. Yes. Yeah. L- Lorna Dane's sister, Zala. Zala. Hi, I'm Zala. Zala Dane. <laughs> this is our other sister, Taylor Dane. She's a singer. Yeah, I see. I see that name, Zaladane, and I think of going to Zaxby's and getting the salad. That's what I think of. So. <laughs> I think a salad with a side of Dane. But uh, 
I gotta say the art opening pages. Yeah, some pages, eh, not so much. There's a couple ones, but overall good. Like the big giant blue hairy pterodactyl is pretty cool. Although, uh, boy, that uh, that second panel on page two, it's a little yeah. more Kazar than I think I need to see. Yeah, no, I do not need to be looking at that. It's like, whoa! Yeah, you don't want to see the little Zaboos. That's a little tainted love, <laughs> if you get my meaning. <laughs> Read between the lines. Now, wink, just, wink. Is it just me, or, or is there a serious um, Starenko vibe going on here? Mm. There, there is, there is, I think, a similarity to the style, but I think that uh, Barry Smith's style is definitely less pop art. Right. With Strank, Stranko really, you know, really went for that. Do you mean yeah. with the body models and the, um, like, the fighting? I think the faces poses. are similar to Stranko's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially page six, uh, that sixth panel of Kazar where he's going. The old one is doomed. That really looks like Storenko to me. Yeah, that's very that that's the one. That's the one that I think just kind of looks. It just looks out of place with the rest of like. I mean, I guess yeah. you could see. I guess you could kind of see that because he is over a pool that's lit underneath him, so it would cast some shadows on his face. And I think maybe that's what he's going for. But it does look a little odd when compared to to the rest of it. I'll tell you what, though, I, I like this Barry Smith art a hell of a lot more than the stuff he would do later, like in that Iron Man issue that you covered, or like in Life, Death, the... the yeah, when he got on. very... I don't... What's the word I'm looking it for? It has a weird, like, bubbly look to it. Yeah, I, I was going to say cir- circularly, but bubbly yeah. sounds better than circularly. It really, yeah, it really does. But this, this here, I, I really, I really liked the sequence with uh, it's page four. I like that entire page with the the sea serpent attacking the whatever they are, the the villagers yeah. or fishermen or whatever. That seems really cool. But yeah, I, I was, I'm like you, Bill. I was very surprised that you know it starts off and it's a little weird, you know, with Kazar and the and the big pterodactyl thing. And then you turn to page three and right away with a petrified man, I'm like, oh, wait, I, I know this guy, you know, because I didn't know what the hell was going on. I didn't know any of these characters. And then all of a sudden I recognized him. Like you say, you know, was, there was an X-Men story I remember reading with him. And then also I, I could be wrong, but I think he was a boss in one of the uh, X-Men Legends games. Oh, I think. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't remember if he was in the burn run or if he was closer to like 147 or 140 or actually maybe you know he was in he was in the one teens i think it was right but i thought he was later returned in like 149 or one like right before 150 Uh, maybe i'll take a quick i don't know i i associate him as being with the burn run but I, i think paul's right i think he was more in the um What's his name? Dave Cockrum. I think he was part of the. No, Dave I think it was. Cockrum I think stuff. it was. I'm pretty sure it was the Burn Run, but I think it was. Is it Burn? I think it was early in the Burn Run. Uh, well, I, I also remember. get. I have to profess. I also get him and uh, who is the pterodactyl guy? I always get those. Oh, uh, Sauron. Sauron. All right, I'm glancing through the covers real quick. I'm starting now, at 100. Now, the petrified man, is this what happens when uh, you do not uh, seek immediate, 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 yeah, immediate medical attention for uh, 
you know, for the four-hour thing? Is that what happens here? <laughs> Very funny. Oh, yeah, here he is. He's on issue... He's on the cover of 116. I was uh, right again. Well, I didn't... I, I didn't Shh, say you were wrong. I was wrong. right. Just leave me alone. Just let me be no, happy No, because I was now right. I'm going to look, and I believe he is also in the 140s. I don't believe he is. I know. You're wrong. Am I? <laughs> I'm looking. Am I really? Wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. Because you know wrong. what? If I'm right... Everyone will hear it. And if I'm wrong, wrong, it will get edited out of the episode. He is in, I believe he is in X-Men 149. Because he is, if you look on the cover of X-Men 149, there he is. He's in the background. It's a shame no one's going to hear this. What? No, what? Come on. Oh, yeah. Okay. We were both right. No, I was right. Yep. That is a Dave Cockrum issue. That's why I was. I thought Cockrum had something to do with this guy. Yeah. All right. That's yep. That's because this issue sucked. What? <laughs> so yeah, that covers this story. I mean, I like the art. I think the art's better than the previous story. Yeah. I mean, it's quick. But a lot happens in ten pages, because yep, it's, it's like it's, a lot of panels per it's page. Com- it's a it's a compressed story, not that yeah. decompressed crap. All right, so why don't we give ratings of the entire book here? We could do you could separate the stories, but do the entire book. All right, all right. Uh, cover. Mm, who did the cover? Uh, let me take another look at it. Double dynamite from Marvel. It's double dynamite. It's explosive. That's a good question. I can't find it either. Cover date. Oh, I'm not looking in the right place. I'm just, I got a new character now. <laughs> Goofy old That's man. Not, a, not offensive at all. <laughs> it's an old man stereotype. It's a mixture. Of, well, I could do Gene Deckerhoff from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the and the Florida State Seminoles, but probably only Scott Rifen would get that. Fire the cannons, Gene Deckerhoff. Back to the bench. Florida State's on the ten yard line. First down. That's my Gene. What issue number was this? Number five. That is it. Number five. <laughs> Oh, I'm looking. I'm looking at Supervillain Team Up. I'm not looking at the right series. That's My God, what's going to happen to me if I stop drinking caffeine? I'll be like, uh, this is Astonishing Tales number five. You're going to turn into that sloth. <laughs> turn the sloth from Zootopia. Ah, ah, ah. This ah. is uh, John Buscema, inked by John Verporten. Hmm. Is that the entire cover or just the... Uh, well, according to Mike's right. Amazing World, that's all he's got. Cover credits, John Buscema, inked by John Veerport. It looks like the same artist to me for both, but I don't know. It's hard to yeah. tell. Yeah. Well, definitely on the bottom, it looks like Buscema. I can see that. Okay, and I'm just looking at the Marvel database. It says cover artist John Buscema, John Veerport, and Marie Severin. Mm, think she did the top? Don't know. 
I don't see anything that, that jumps out at me as being Marie Severin, so I can't tell you for certain. I would think Buscema sounds about right for it. So <laughs> it might be uh, it might be that Buscema drew both Porsche, both parts and that Baporton uh, and Severin inked it. Mm. Well, anyway, um, why is he hitting Doom with a milkshake machine? Anyway, it's a juicer, man. It's uh-huh. a it's a it's a it's a blender. Wham! This is the worst Cuisinart art I've ever seen. This I gotta be honest. This story really makes Doom seem like kind of a chump in a lot of aspects. Because I mean, was there anything super about Red Skull at this time? He was just he was just a Nazi asshole, right? I mean, he wasn't Pretty super much. powered or anything, right? Well, I mean, what a crap, crappy thing to do. Okay, you're out of your country. Uh, yeah, we're gonna take over your country while you're gone. Yeah, like this is gonna work out in in the end. <laughs> so like, you don't think so Dr. Again, gonna come back? So just to clarify, on page two, that second panel, those where Red Skull is watching the the procession of people walking by and they're doing the Heil Hitler salute. Mm-hmm. Those are his people, or 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 these are Doomstadians that are that are swearing allegiance to him. Who the Not hell really are these? Very clear. That's what I was saying about the soldiers. I don't know if they if if, if the skull imported them or if they just changed yeah, allegiance. You know, maybe it's like you know, hey, it's the it's the uh, dictator of the day. So yeah, this guy's in charge. Well, okay. We'll Where the hell are the Doombots while all this stuff's going down? Oh, had Doombots really been a thing at this point? Uh, I thought Doombots were around pretty much since the very beginning of FF's stories with Doom, weren't they? Are you sure that's not retroactive? Uh, okay, I'm, and I'm not sure. i got to be honest. I'm not sure of that. I'll look up Doombots. I mean, but this is 71. By this point, the FF's been around 10 friggin' years. You can't... By that point, I'm sure there were Doombots or some form of robotic sentinels or something in, in Doomstot, right? Oh, it looks like Fantastic Four 5 might have been the first. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, yeah the Doombots. Mm. Yeah. Maybe it was uh, maintenance time. <laughs> It just like I say, it's you know I'm not going to read too much into it. It was kind of a goofy story, but that is one thing that stood out to me right away. I'm like, what? Doom leaves town, and the the, the next evil dictator can just walk in and go, okay, this is this is my country now. And like, there's no fight. There's no, you know, he just he took over because Doom was out of out of town for the evening. They're a crushed people. Clearly, this guy has to be better than the last one. Oh my God! I forgot. You're wrong. Well, they did a great totally job with that. Eventually, if you remember, in in issue two hundred, uh, what's the name? Uh, Zorba mm-hmm. finally <laughs> yeah, Zorba. takes over. Takes over, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, this and guy! They, what are they re- thinking?" Well, no, they were thrilled at first, but then like yeah, well, twelve yeah, but or fifteen issues like, later, or whatever it is, they they revisit it, and and the nation's falling apart because Zorba sucks as a ruler. Yeah. Right. So, you know, eventually it's like, okay, the people want Doom back. Bring back, bring back, bring back my Doom to me, to me. something about that story not long ago. That's considered, like, one of the the definitive 
Doom stories. That one you're talking My about. My Doom, he lies over the ocean. My Doom, so, he lies so over let's, the let's, sea. So let's rate this thing before Bill uh, sings just cutting again. me off with singing? Yes, I am. So, uh... I, I think the cover is pretty good. I like the top half of it with the skull and doom. I think it's very catchy, and it made me want to pick up the issue. The second part with Kazar isn't really <laughs> very – it doesn't really give you any kind of feeling for what's going to go on in the story at all. So it's it's just kind of a generic Well, they only had a third Kazar of the cover, cover, too. So I'll give this – I'll give it a B minus, the cover. Then on the Doom story, the story is kind of simplistic. It it almost has a feel of Silver Age Marvel. Now we're not really too far into the Bronze Age at this point. It's kind of the the be- very beginning of the Bronze Age, but it still has a Silver Agey feeling about it because it's just too simple. Uh, but it's all right. It's it's acceptable. I'm gonna say a C plus on this on that story. I'm not a big fan of George Tuska, as anybody who listens knows. But this isn't terrible Tuska, so I'm gonna say a C plus on that also. And I'll give the Doom story a C plus. The Kazar story, I think the the Barry Smith's art is actually awesome. I think it's great i'm gonna say an a on the artwork i think there's so many little details on it and just it's clean it's easy to follow just everything about it i pretty much enjoy uh the story itself there's a lot happening there's you know it's it's a very compressed story uh it's it's almost difficult to follow though so i'm gonna say i'm gonna go a b because it's it's not as clear as it could be. Uh, and but with the A artwork, I'll give it a B plus overall on that story. So then the book overall, I will say a B. I'll go next. Um, the cover, you know, the cover is a weird one because it, it's a little wonky. And more than anything, what throws me is just throwing these two characters together, Dr. Doom and Kazar. What a weird combo to, to share the book together. Now, did these storylines ever converge? Did they? Did, did Doom and Kazar ever find a, you know find themselves sharing a story or anything like that? Do you know? No, no. Doom eventually came off the book, and it actually became just Kazar for quite a while. Oh, okay. I have almost a complete run of this. I think this is the first issue of it I've ever even read. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that says about it. But anyway, back to the cover. Eh, the cover's okay. I mean, you know, the art's good and everything. I don't know that it necessarily would make me want to pick it up off the stands, but it is interesting. I, I do like the, you know, the Red Skull versus Doom part, even though it really does make Doom look like a total chump. So, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to go a middle of the road C on this. It's not bad. It's not great. It's just kind of there. And I agree with you. The the big monster guy in the Kazar portion of the cover looks more like what's that guy? U- Ulik is that his name from Thor? That's who he reminds me of. Yeah. Um, interior art in the Doom story. Uh, I'm with you. I'm not the biggest George Tuska fan in the world, and uh, I have really seriously soured on Mike Esposito over the years. But that said, I kind of like most of the art in this. I really do like the splash page. 
uh, this shot of the French Riviera with Doom flying over, it's kind of cool. And I totally forgot Doom could fly. So that, that was really neat. Um, the only thing in the art I really don't like is the Red Skull himself. I think he just looks really shit in most of the pictures here. He just looks goofy looking. Um, speaking of goofy, uh, I think he hit the nail on the head with this feels more Silver Age. And I'll, I'll be even more specific. This feels like DC Silver Age. This feels like a Silver Age DC story. This feels like something that you would find like in a Silver Age like uh, adventure comic Supergirl story or something by Jim Mooney. That's what this really feels like. That's totally the vibe I get off this. So I didn't even think of that, but yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not great. Um but anyway, back to the art. Um I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a C plus on the art because for who it is, I'm impressed by it. I do like it. <laughs> what and were we saying about damning story, with faint praise? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Um, the story, um, and I'm tempted to go a D cause it's really stupid, but I'll, I'll be generous. I'll go D plus on the story cause it's pretty damn dumb. Um, onto the Kazar portion of it. I really like the art and I am not usually much of a mark for Barry Windsor Smith. I usually really don't care for his stuff at all, but this, this actually looks really good. And it makes me wonder why the hell did he ever adopt that weird bubbly style that he would have later? Because this this is great. This really looks nice. Um, some of the faces are a little weird, but other than that, I, I really dig it. I, and again, I, that page four with the sea serpent is just friggin' awesome. I really like that. Uh, a lot of it, too, is the coloring. Does it, does it give colorist credits on this? Uh, uh, no. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, I'd be curious to know who colored it, because I, I really like the coloring in this as well. Um, so art-wise, I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go a B-plus on the art, because I really do dig it a lot. It's it's good stuff. And then the story, the story is good. It's just, you're kind of thrown into it. And I literally had no idea what the hell was happening here. I mean, other than Kazar and Zabu, I didn't know who any of the characters were. Um, you know, as the story starts, I didn't know what the situation was. And when what's her name, um, Salad Girl is going on and on about the old one and his friend. It took me forever. It, it actually took me reading the story a couple of times to figure out that the guy she's talking about was Garak. I didn't realize that Garak and Kazar were friends. So it took me a while to kind of cipher out exactly what what was the deal and what was she talking about? Like, who was the person? So, yeah, because some of the backstory I read about him was he was human, but then he was old. He was old for so long, his skin actually transformed. Right. And it's the petrified man. Right. But, yeah, I, I just I didn't quite follow that at first. And I didn't feel like the story was terribly clear on that. So I, this was an instance where I know, think they, this was probably in the following the, before it. So we kind of came in the middle of the story here. Right. But I mean, this this is one of those instances where I feel like they they could have you know stuck a little more to the the Stan Lee school of you know every issue is somebody's first because I, I really didn't know what was going on. But to the story's credit, at least I was able to figure it out afterwards. It wasn't something where I was just like you know threw it down in disgust, going I just can't figure this shit out. It just took me a while you know of reading through the story to figure out okay this is who this guy is and this is who they're talking about and you know this is the situation kind of thing. 
Um, it's not a great story, but I mean, it, it was interesting. And at the end of it, I was more curious, like, okay, how does he recover from this? Because I remembered this guy from a much later story. So obviously he came back, but I was trying to remember, you know, how that, that whole thing came about. But, uh, anyway, art wise, I think I gave the art grade on this story grade on this. Yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll go a B minus because it, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty interesting and it, it did some some interesting and original things. I'm not much for this type of story, so it takes a lot for these type of stories to impress me. But th- this one had some interesting stuff in it. So now overall grade for the entire book as a whole, um, let's I'd, I'd say a C plus. It, it's fun. Yeah, uh, cover me. I'll give it a B. <laughs> I'll go quick since we're running long. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a B. Uh, the art for the, for the Doom story. Uh, I kind of like some of those Red Skulls, but some of the other ones are goofy. So the art, I'll give it a C. The story, C plus B. Kazar, I'll give the art a good, solid B+. The story, ah, it's pretty concise. I'll give the story a C. Uh, Add all those together. uh, C+, B-. For me. Cool. All right. All right, so uh, we're running a little long. So, Scott, can you save your uh, issue till next time? God damn it. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I was muted there. <laughs> you should have gone on like a five-minute tirade. You know, I took all the time to read and synopsize this. I even wrote up my synopsis. No, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to have to manipulate the editing here to really make you look foolish. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, so so we're going to call it for now. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Maybe not. Well, we won't really see you, but <laughs> we'll be here. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Kazabuzar. Standing right behind you. Ah! Oh my god, you're going to gas me and shrink me. <laughs> but it's all an illusion. Suddenly, illusion. illusion. <laughs> Goodbye. Good night. So long. Farewell. <laughs> See ya. I didn't get it at Vita saying? <laughs>